on today with something we started last week. Um, that's a look at Matthew 24 and 25. Um, because we're in a time... Oh, right here. Somebody at one time as a joke gave me a back scratcher. I'm not sure who did that. I'm using it to hold my, my Bible open today. So rubber bands and a back scratcher. But... Um, we're in this crazy time, and we, can, we don't have to wonder if we're in a crazy time because we're having church outside. And kids were standing in hula hoops um, doing, doing worship songs to try to you know, do something that none of us ever heard the term before, social distance. So we're in this crazy season of time, this unique cultural moment, and in this period of time, our world turned upside down. And a lot of people have got really... Um, maybe worried, nervous, saying, you know, what does this all mean? Is there spiritual significance to it? And then, of course, that always in the, in the church world then, then um, moves towards, and it should, moves towards, is this somehow tied to, to Christ's returning? And so there's been a lot of questions and a lot of stuff going on the Internet, flying around that people are looking, and like I can't even count how many forwards I've had in the last, you know, three months. Pastor, have you seen this? Um, just, you know, I look at almost none of them. And I don't mean that meanly. I just look at almost none of them um, because I get a, I get a ton um, because I look at stuff that I think I can look at sources I can trust. And, um, and it's from somebody I don't know who it's from. I don't, I don't waste my time. But anyways, there's a lot of kind of anxiety out there. And so what I wanted to do for last week and this week it's kind of bring the anxiety level down. Because as Christians, we shouldn't be living up here all frenzied ever, no matter what goes on. That, that we, we should walk, when we walk in faith, we walk in calmness. We walk in trust. doesn't mean really bad things don't happen. You can look at church history and look at even what's going on today. Horrible things are happening around the world and horrible things are happening to Christians. I'm not saying really bad things don't happen. You know, what I'm saying is, we can have confidence in Christ no matter what we go through. So we've been looking at the, the largest section of Scripture where Jesus himself, his words recorded, talked about the end of the age. He talked about this time between his ascension. So we talk about the last days. The last days are the period of time when Jesus ascended into heaven and when he'll come back again. Those are the end days, last days. But we know that as it gets closer to the end, things are going to ramp up. And so Matthew 24 and 25 talk about that. So last week, if you weren't here, I really recommend you go on the website, look at our, our video podcast or audio podcast, and look at that sermon because we're, we dealt with the first um, verses 4 through 14 of Matthew 24 where Jesus gives an overview of the end times. And then, so we looked at that, and what we said, we looked at seven, we just pulled seven points out. And that were, I was talking about the end times, so we just kind of briefly hit on all of them. But the second one, and you know, you probably don't remember them in order, but the second one was this. Don't be afraid. Jesus is saying, don't freak out, don't be afraid. And he says, I'm telling you these things before they happen so you can know and not be afraid. So we looked at that last week, and then what we find out is that what Jesus does in Matthew 24 and 25 is after he... Um, gives this little synopsis of the events, then, and with culminates in, and the gospel will be preached to the whole world, and then the end will come. Then what he does is he kind of repeats in a little section, verses 15 through 31, this idea that, like, yeah, judgment's coming, it's going to get bad. And then after that, kind of repeats it, 
Then he gives five parables. And I think I told you last week, I wanted to do this whole section of one sermon because if you don't understand it as one big story, you won't, it won't make sense to you. You'll pull out one thing and you'll say, oh, this is saying that, but it's not. He's, he tells five parables, and each one of the parables is relating back to what he said in the very beginning. I'm going to tell you what's going to happen at the end. And so these parables are all tied into that. So there's these, these five different stories, and all if you look at them and you read them consecutively, we're going to do something impossible today. We're going to cover all five, so I'm going to be like really fast with them. But you're going to see that all five of them are very similar. And if you haven't read them together as all answering the question of when is Jesus coming back, when is he going to establish his kingdom fully, if you don't look at it that way, um, you don't get, you don't see that almost all of them are saying almost the same thing as far as they contain some of the same some details. So there's these similarities in all of them. They all deal with, here's a couple of things they deal with, they all deal with a right and a wrong way to live during the time leading up to Jesus' return. They all deal with that. There's a right way to live and a wrong way to live. They all show that we have a choice between those two ways and that one is a wise choice and one is a foolish choice. And then here's the deal, and this is especially true in the day and age we live in right now because this is the theological point that's being challenged right now in the church world and even now in the evangelical church world is this. They all teach very clearly that there will be a very real and eternal, there will be real and eternal ramifications for us as individuals based on how we live our lives. There will be eternal ramifications. Now, I'm going to explain that as we go on because that can be really misunderstood. Now, because there's no way I could take the time to read and, you know, all of these parables, what I'm going to do is I'm going to read a couple of them and I'm going to summarize some other ones as we go through them, so I'm going to read the shorter ones and then summarize the longer ones. And what I'm going to do then is pull out the main teaching that Jesus is teaching during this parable. Because remember, he tells this, this is what the end times will look like. Then he tells five parables saying, um, here is how, um, here's the point about the end times, and here's a story I'm going to tell. And out of this story, it's, it's making another, it's a unique point about the time in the end. And so let's start the first parable. If you have your Bibles, I don't know what you do, or fire them up, or um, open them to Matthew chapter 24, and I'm going to actually read the first parable. The first parable, does somebody just give me like a little rock or something? Something small, just bring it up here. Um, somebody in the back, maybe, yeah, don't throw it at me, Clem. Just get me something. I see Mike is getting me something. Yes, I, hey, Mike, I got something. I'm going to use Suzanne's phone so she can't, thank you, so that she can't text while I'm uh, preaching. It's like your kids. You got to take it. You got to take your phones away from them. So thank you. Um, so the first parable, Matthew 24, is verses 32 to 41. And uh, so let's just read that one because it's short. It says, "Now learn the parable of the fig tree. When its branch. Now remember, he's saying this as an answer to adding additional information to when will I return and establish my kingdom. Now learn the parable of the fig tree." When its branches are ready to become tender and puts forth its leaves, you know the summer is near. Even so, you too, when you see all these things happening, which he just talked about in the preceding verses, we looked at last week, recognize that he is near right at the door. Truly I say to you, this generation will not pass away until all these things take place. 
heaven and earth will pass away, but my word shall not pass away. But of that day and hour no one knows, not even the angels of heaven, nor the Son, but the Father alone. For the coming of the Son of Man will be just like in the days of Noah. For as in those days which were before the flood, they were eating and drinking, they were marrying and giving marriage until the day that Noah entered the ark. And they did not understand until the flood came and took them all away, so shall the coming of the Son of Man be. There shall be two men in the field, one will be taken, one will be left. Two women will be grinding at the mill, one will be taken, and one will be left. So that's the first parable. What do we see here? We see Jesus making a comparison. And there's some people, his followers, he's saying, will recognize the end is getting near, while other people will be like those people in the days of Noah, when, when Noah's judgment was coming, and Noah knew it was coming, so he's building an ark to get prepared, but the rest of the people didn't understand. So we think, though, that's the parable. So what's Jesus trying to say? Well, obviously, it's showing that those who walk with the Lord, so we walk by the Spirit, we walk in the light of the Word of God, His followers, will be able to discern that the end is near while others will not. That, um, that, that more and more, as the age draws to a close, those who follow Jesus will see the world differently. And you need to understand this. Because I see you on Facebook debating with people about events. You're wasting your time and energy. More and more as the time grows nearer to the end, those who walk with Jesus will see the world differently. We will recognize that God is in control. We will recognize the end is coming. We will recognize Jesus is returning. We will recognize judgment is coming. And all of that will affect how we act towards one another, how we interact, how we express love when other people aren't. It will affect how we, of us not being afraid, not living in fear, that will affect how we live in our lives. And it says here that those in the days of Noah, remember he's comparing people, there will be some like those in the day of Noah. It says, and they did not understand the events that they were taking place. Now this isn't about arrogance. I don't understand and you don't understand because we're smarter than anybody. We understand because we know the book. And we live in the, in the influence of the Holy Spirit. And we have the community of faith and church history to all educate us. And we live in that light. And it says with other people, without that, it's available to everybody, but those who choose to walk without that won't understand what's happening. It's just the same today. When you look at world events and say, it just doesn't make sense how people are acting and reacting. Has anybody said that recently? Like, this doesn't make any sense. Why are people acting like this? It's insane. And some of you are saying, why are they overreacting? Why aren't they reacting properly? Why are they rioting in the streets? We're looking at them and saying, why is it happening? And you say, it doesn't make sense. It's because it doesn't make sense. Because people without the light of Jesus from the Word of God can't discern the times. They don't see things in the light of the wisdom and the revelation of God. And again, this is not about arrogance. It's not meant to divide. It's actually meant to be a pathway to invite people into a way of knowing what's going on and saying, hey, God told us about this already. So just understand, if you are a follower of Jesus, you will be more and more out of place with the world as the time draws near. 
that's going to get more and more real closer to the end. You know, as the, as the farming illustration, as the tree is getting ripe, it's saying, as you're seeing this, as the leaves are coming out, oh, it's getting near summer. He's saying, you can tell us we're getting near the time. And I think most people say, for sure, we're closer than we were when we started, right? We're 2,000 years down the road. But also, we're having church outside and kids are singing in hula hoops. You know, it's, it's kind of weird. You've got to wear a mask when you go to Walmart. Now, this might just blow over six months. I don't know. We don't know. We don't know what's going to happen with the civil unrest. We don't know what's going to happen. We, scariest thing to me, and I'm not walking in fear, but the most concerning thing to me of the whole time right now, all the huge ramp up the talk of a cashless society. Anything. I'll wear a mask to Walmart every day and won't care. But if I want to try to figure out is the, is the branch showing a leaf and it's getting near the end, I think a cashless society would be the biggest thing to me because it could control the whole world, you know, which has got to set the stage for an Antichrist to rise up. And so, you know what, we just, we're looking at the signs of the times going, wow, we're getting, at least things are going in place that even if it's not for us today, it might be for our kids or our grandkids, you know. And so we walk in that light, but somebody who doesn't know the Lord, doesn't know his wisdom, can't, doesn't have that light. And so that's the thing that Jesus is pointing out in the parable of the fig trees, and you need to understand you're going to be out of place with the world. And I would say this, if you don't feel kind of out of place with the world, I'd kind of question, am I walking in light? Okay? So that's the first point. Um, we just, um, that's the, out, of the, out of the first parable. Let's move to the second one. Second parable. It's one that we call the sensible and the foolish servant. And again, this one is short, so I'm going to read this one too. Again, every one of these is trying to teach a particular point about the time before Jesus comes. Verse 42 to 44. We'll read the whole parable. Therefore, be alert, um, you, for you do not know which hour the day the Lord is coming. But be sure of this, that if the head of the house had known at what time of the night the thief was coming, he would have been on the alert and would not have allowed his house to be broken into. For this reason, you be ready too. For the Son of Man, Jesus, is coming at an hour when you do not think he will. Who then is a faithful and a sensible servant whom the master puts in charge of his household to give them their food at the proper time? Blessed is that slave whom his master finds so doing when he comes. Truly, I say to you, that he will put him in charge of his possessions. But if that evil slave says in his heart, my master is not coming for a long time, and begins to beat his fellow slaves and eat and drink with drunkards, the master of that slave will come on a day and an hour that he does not expect him, and, and an hour he does not know, and shall cut him in pieces, and assign him a place with a hypocrite. Weeping shall be there, and gnashing of teeth. So... I think I said last week, somebody needs to send Jesus to a how to win friends and influence people seminar because the things he says, uh, he doesn't say them to try to make people feel good about themselves. Um, so what do we see here? He's telling us, remember, about how do I live in this time when Jesus is coming. And again, Jesus is contrasting two possible ways to live in the day before Jesus' return. He says one is a sensible servant. He's contrasting two ways. And that servant is put in charge of the master's household and is responsibly doing what the master expects. Now remember, is he talking really about servants in a household? 
No, who's he talking about? Us. People in the world, he's talking about the sensible ones, are people who are walking with the Lord, and they are doing what the master of the head of the house, the Lord, puts us in the responsible for his household, and we're doing what he expects us to do while he's gone. But he then says, with a contrast to that, the evil servant, he calls him, the evil slave, he says, that the master, he knows the master isn't going to return for a long time. So what's he say he does? It says he gets drunk and he abuses those people under his supervision. So he does live his own life at other people's expense and he mistreats people and he lives the life of, of um, self-indulgence. And that's the point Jesus is trying to make here. He's, go, you know, he's going to be gone for some time. We don't know when he's going to return. And those who are wise will engage in the Lord's activity instead of a life of self-indulgence, and mis- which would then re- re- uh, result in mistreating others. Jesus is revealing something here, understand, about the authenticity of a person's relationship with God. For the one who really knows Jesus, he or she, out of the relationship, willingly and lovingly, wants to be part of the activity of God. And their actions of loving engagement with God's activity reveals the reality of their walk with God. But for the one who is um, kind of phony in their, in their walk with God, phony in their religion, only obeys the master when the master is near. It reveals a life of one really just being about themselves, self-indulgent, doing what I want, disregarding what's best for others, that reveals a condition of my heart that my heart's not in a good condition, and therefore it's going to outflow in bad activities. You know, and so I think of this as you look at this material, what a great opportunity Jesus is giving us here um, to examine ourselves. We can do personal evaluation. Do you ask ourselves, do I just live the trappings of Christianity, just kind of slap a cross on my life, go to church when it feels good, um, you know, do what's right when other Christian people are watching, but live differently when other people that don't know the Lord are around me? It's a time to evaluate that and ask ourselves, what's really the condition of my heart then revealed by what's flowing out? And we can see these two revealed, these two choices in the two servants. One is genuine and one is fake. Jesus calling us to a genuine relationship with him before he returns. What he's doing here is saying, listen, in this time, get right with me before it's too late, that this life now is our opportunity to come to know Jesus as Savior and Lord, and we can begin a relationship with him now that lasts for eternity. Um, And this parable, as well as the others, makes it clear that without a right relationship with Jesus, that then results in right living, that one in the end will suffer great loss. And like I said, this is the point that I see people getting very muddy about in the church world today. But look what Jesus says, and he says it in every one of the parables in some way, but look at verses 50 and 51. He says, you can tell the difference between two kind of people. There's the sensible servant, and there's the evil servant. And in the end, he says, this is the outcome. The master of the slave will come on that day when he does not expect him, and at an hour when he does not know, and shall cut him in pieces and assign him a place with the hypocrites, weeping uh, shall be there a gnashing of teeth. So he's saying, and all these, listen, there's a really ugly end for people who don't walk with the Lord. And I know that's very unacceptable to say right now. 
in our culture, it's very unacceptable to say, but Jesus is the one saying it. He uses graphic language to describe the life of one that isn't in a relationship with Christ when he returns. And we're going to see in all the parables, Jesus keeps repeating this in every one, trying to warn us to say, listen, I'm not joking about this. The end is positive for those who walk with me, but it's not positive for those who don't come to know me and walk with me. All right. Third parable. Look at chapter 25. This one's a longer one, so I'm just going to summarize it. It's the parable of the ten virgins. You've all heard of that parable before, right? The ten virgins. And let me just read the verse that kind of summarizes it, or that kind of tells the point of it, and then I'll summarize it for you. Verse 13 says, Be on the alert then, for you do not know the day nor the hour that the Lord is going to return. So summarize it. It's a story of a picture of a wedding feast back in Jesus' day that there would have been a situation where the bridegroom wasn't there and the, these people who wanted to go, the ten virgins that wanted to go into the wedding banquet, were waiting for his return. And again, it's an imagery of us. We would be represented by the ten virgins, people waiting for the return of the bridegroom, Jesus. And they're waiting for him, and then it gets dark. It's a long wait. And five of them brought oil for their lamps. They had oil lamps. Five of them had oil for their lamps, and five didn't. And in the middle of the night, in an hour when they didn't expect, all of a sudden, you know, the raucous comes, the bridegroom comes, Jesus returns, in other words, and the five who don't have oil say to the five who do have oil, hey, we don't have any oil. Give us some of yours so we can light our lamps, so we can enter into the, into the relationship with the bridegroom. We can come into the banquet feast. And the five, with, the five that have oil go, it ain't going to work that way. Because we don't have enough for our lamps and your lamps, so why don't you go off and take care of your problem, go get your oil, run to the store, buy some oil, and then come back. And in turn, what happens is they come back, it's too late, the doors are shut, and they say, hey, you can't come in to the lighting feast. So I said, I never knew you. So in this, in this parable, it's talking about the preparedness we need to meet the Lord. Because remember, he's not talking about whether we have oil. He's not, don't leave here. So I've got to read him in context and say, what Jesus said we need is we all need to go get oil lamps and extra oil. Stockpile. Maybe a better way to say it. Stockpile. Buy 80 billion rolls of toilet paper. Stockpile for the Lord's return. Because when he comes, you might not have enough toilet paper. He's not talking about physical things here. The preparedness that we need to meet the Lord, we don't have to have anything. It's not a physical, it's a physical story to represent a spiritual truth. What we need is spiritual preparedness. Maybe think of it this way. If Jesus returned right now, would there be something that you would feel like you needed to correct or make right or explain away to the Lord? Would there be something that you would need to fix? A secret sin? Wrong attitude?